You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you guys are into New Year's resolutions? Okay, like four people. Cool. <laughs> Bunch of slackers. I love New Year's resolutions. Like we got a juicer, uh, we got an air fryer. And if you don't hear anything uh, from me the rest of the sermon, it's just go get an air fryer because those things are awesome and they're easy to use. Uh, we bought a second squat rack to put in our garage to, to exercise more. Like I love New Year's resolutions. I love making resolutions. I'm not great at keeping them, but I love making them. And unlike Asbury, uh, 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. Uh, half of them, uh, half of the resolutions are based on health and exercise and fitness. 23% of people that make resolutions quit after the first week. Uh, I'm not among those. 36% quit in the first month. I'm probably more around them. 9% of people that make New Year's resolutions actually accomplish them. It's, it's not a high bar, but, but we love them. And I don't know if it's a part of like capitalism and like we can just sell things in January, like diet plans or whatever. Um, but we love New Year's resolutions. I love them because even if I don't succeed completely ever, it always kind of just reorients me towards the general path that I should be going on. It kind of puts me back within the guardrails of what my life should look like from a health perspective or a hobby perspective or like growing in wisdom understanding. I love to learn new things. Reading books is a part of the resolution. Um, but 9% of us actually accomplish our resolutions. And so part of it's like, are we, are we gluttons for punishment? Um, there's a piece of resolutions also that can be very shaming or high pressure. And if that's why you don't want to do them, then don't. Like shame is not a good thing. Shame is not a, a good motivator. But I do love the idea of resolutions or realignment or kind of getting back on track with who we want to be. And that's very much in line with, with Christianity, with the Christian faith, because uh, the goal of, of, of following Jesus of discipleship is imitation of Christ, trying to pursue uh, a life that reflects the life that he lived. And, and it's a constant battle, I think, with, with our souls to kind of keep trying to pull ourselves towards being like Christ while we're also kind of veering off. So I love resolutions because they can kind of realign us. And I think that's in alignment with the overall idea of the Christian faith, which is a pursuit of being like Christ. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about growth and change and, and transformation, obviously. And this morning, I want to focus on one story about growth and change and transformation. And I think it's, a, I think it's just a really weird story. In fact, Ashley and I kind of wrestled with this as we went on some walks this week and talked about it. Uh, we kind of think Jesus might be a jerk in this story. Um, and I hope that it creates in you a sense of tension. I hope there's something that I say this morning that you don't agree with and that you wrestle with. But this story comes from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And it says, sometime later, actually I'm just going to read it from here. After this, I have a different translation. After this, there was a festival of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew, Beth Zetha, which is five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. I guess he did. That's the next verse. The guy did it. <laughs> verse 9. Um, so that's the story. The context here, there's a place in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda, and, and there, the pool was said to have healing properties. And when you look at the Jewish uh, background of the story, kind of the folklore was that occasionally an angel would come down, uh, invisibly I guess, and stir the waters. And whenever you saw the waters being stirred, the first person to get in got healed. That was kind of the folklore behind this pool of Bethesda. Now that's a super weird story. It's like a magic hot tub or something. And an angel invisibly comes down and stirs the water. That's strange. The first person to get in gets healed. That's strange. Why not like everybody? It's just a weird story. And it says there's this guy that was laying there. He'd been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus came upon him, he realized he'd been there for a long time. So it's kind of a weird story. And as I read through it this week, I, I honed in on this, this verse uh, where Jesus saw him lying there. And it says this. I can read you. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? The first thing I noticed is that when Jesus learned he had been there a long time, when Jesus realized this guy had been in the same situation for a long time, that prompted this next question. Do you want to get well? Now this question is either obvious at the front, like he's asking a crippled person, would you like to walk again? Well, of course, it's an obvious question. It's borderline offensive. It's provocative, but I want to keep in mind, he's seen this guy that's been in this situation for decades and the guy has put himself next to a pool that's supposed to heal him and it's just not working. And Jesus says, do you really want to get well? Do you actually want to change what your life looks like? You've been stuck like this for a long time. Do you want to change or do you want to stay the same? Change is hard. I think it's one of the hardest things a person can do is to change the way that they relate to the world and relate to other people and, and the way they talk about themselves to themselves. Change is hard. It's so easy to fall back into old patterns. Even after a month of eating healthy with your news resolution, it's so easy to fall back into your same pattern of eating unhealthy. Change is hard. It's often easier just to stay in the same unhealthy pattern in your life and convince yourself that it's fine. And it's especially true if you feel powerless to change at all. If you have hopelessness, change is even harder. Change is extremely difficult. And sometimes rather than, than go through the work of trying to bring about real deep change, we say it's actually easier just to stay the same and convince ourselves that we're happy. And I love this idea that we don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of making a change. We often don't change until the pain of, of staying the same is greater than the pain that it actually takes to change. So when Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want your life to look differently or do you want to stay the same? Because if I'm looking at the evidence of your life, you've been like this for decades and you're not doing anything different, it appears to me that you actually just want to stay in the same situation you're in. And I love, uh, I have a friend, Dan Tocini, he wrote a book called Groundwork, and I love his take on this story. And he asked the question, what could this man at the pool benefit? What would be the rewards for him staying in the same 
situation year over year. The first thing you say is he gets to stay there with his friends. It's familiar. He has connections relationally. If he changes, if he, he has to kind of leave that position as, as a beggar and move on and do something different with his life. So one reward for staying the same is that he gets to keep the same friendships and relationships. Secondly, he has something to complain about. He has a justification for why life is hard and difficult. Thirdly, another reward he could have from, from staying in that same situation is that he gets sympathy from people. People feel bad for him uh, and, and, and he gets a reward out of that. And the, and the last piece would be because of his situation, there's no expectations or responsibility for his life. So Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want your life to change or do you want to stay? And it may not actually be a rhetorical question. It may actually be, what are the reasons you want to stay stuck in this current predicament? Here's some possibilities. And, and you, when you notice the story, when you read it, the guy doesn't actually say, yes, I want to get well. He gives an excuse for why he hasn't gotten well yet. He's the victim. He's been there for decades. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? He says, well, look, every time the angel comes down and stirs the water, someone else gets in, in front of me. And he's like, bro, you've been here for like 20 years. Have you not learned like how to cut in line or like picked up like a stick <laughs> or something like, like found a way to get better? Do you, it's a fair question. Do you actually want to get well? Cause you've been in the same situation. It's not working for you. And since you say you want to get well, cause you're by the pool, but you've been here for 20 years, it's not working for you. You could just leave there and try something different. Do you want to get well? It's not rhetorical. It's a serious question. And I think Jesus asked that a lot. Do you actually want to, to get well? Do you want this to get better? Do you want this relationship to improve and to be healthy? Do you want to, to get out of a, a dysfunctional job or, or a, a eating pattern or an addiction and all these kind of things? Because maybe you don't. And for, for people that struggle with addiction, especially chemical addiction, when they initially fall into that, it gave them something. It met a legitimate and valid need that they had. And someone says, do you actually, do you want to break the addiction? Some people will be like, not really. Because it's meeting a certain need that I have. Now, maybe now it's become toxic and unhealthy and ultimately destructive, but I'm so dependent on that and I'm so used to this way of life of being addicted to whatever this thing might be, I actually don't want to break the pattern. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's the devil that I know. So do you want to get well is actually a provocative question. Because for some of us, the answer might be like, nah, I'm good. I've, I've learned to, to accept this current mode of being in existence. When I think of this list of what this guy might get out of staying the same, there's one point of pain for me, one ouch, and that is a reward for staying the same is having something to complain about. Now, I worked at a, a church in, in Virginia a long time ago, I don't know, five years ago or something, um, and it eventually became unhealthy, but for a long time, a group of us just complained a lot about our boss. And I the complaints were probably valid, that's fine. But what I found or discovered within myself with him is like, we also just loved having something to complain about. There's like a dopamine hit that came with that. There was like a bonding around the complaint that we, that we got. And eventually it's like, all right, we've been complaining about this for like several years now and we're not doing anything different. Do we want the situation to get better? Do we really? Do we want us as a staff to get well? Or do we want to just continue to complain? Because there's something that we get from that. We're, we're bonding over this complaint of dysfunction. There's a dopamine hit. Um, and eventually, the, the pain of 
staying the same <laughs> became greater than the pain of changing. And we moved on. We parted ways. We, we stopped complaining. And it, anyway, that's a whole story. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> but for some people, and for, my, for all of us actually, sometimes we're in unhealthy situations or rhythms or patterns or relationships and the question, do you want to get well, is provocative because it's like, actually, there's something I get out of staying in the unhealth. And that's the challenge of change sometimes. Some of, us, some of us would rather be right than be well. We'd rather be morally right or intellectually or logically right than be well. And, and I feel this so much in my marriage that when we get into a fight, like we're both kind of posturing and positioning ourselves like, how can I win this argument? How can I, be, as long as I'm right and I found my indefensible position, I can, be, I can be stubborn in my rightness and my relationship has a lot of friction and distance. But I'm right. We're not well, but I'm right. And sometimes we'd rather be right than be well. And I love this idea with relationships that, especially in a marriage context, that when we get into conflict, it's, we often immediately position ourselves as us versus our partner. And that creates tension, but, but a healthier way to look at it is to say, what if it's both of us against the problem? And, and the problem is the thing that we're both trying to work through together rather than trying to win the argument. We're both trying to work together on the problem itself. But some of us would rather be right than be well, because there's a certain smugness or dopamine hit that comes from like, I know I'm right. Ooh, I got her. <laughs> I got her. Some of us would rather be comfortable than be well. Better the devil you know. We'd rather be comfortable in our unhealth or dysfunction than to pursue wellness. Deep change never comes without significant upset to the way things have been. Change by its very nature is violent. It creates disruption. It, change has to be, not, not violent, like you're physically violent, but if something changes or, or has a metamorphosis, it, it's, it does violence to the previous iteration, right? A caterpillar becoming a butterfly is a violent transformation. For a season, it just becomes a, a pile of goo uh, in the cocoon, and then eventually it kind of comes forth. But it's a violent change. It's never the caterpillar again. It's never the same thing. And so change is violent. It creates disruption, which creates resistance in our communities, in our relationships. So change is hard. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes we'd rather be comfortable than be well. And then some of us would rather be the victim than be well. And I don't want to project too much into this guy in John chapter five, this man that was laying by the pool, because there's like three verses about him. So you can kind of read a lot into the text here for sure. But Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And the first thing he gives is an excuse that plays into the victim mindset. I would like to get well, but people keep cutting in front of me. And Jesus kind of ignores that. He doesn't even acknowledge that complaint and just says, get up and walk. And the guy does it. But Jesus asks, do you want to be well? This guy had been at the pool for a long time and nothing had changed. And it reminds me of the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting different results. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Well, of course I do. Well, you're not acting like you do because you're not changing your approach to getting well over the years. So Jesus saw that. He called him out. And he said, are you willing to try something different? Or would you rather stay here and stick with what you know? Change can be painful, scary, costly. And you may look at that and just say, no thanks. And that's your choice to make. 
Jesus makes it so simple and it's just really frustrating. Like this story is frustratingly simple because Jesus says, do you want to get well? The guy makes an excuse and Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And then the guy does it. Like in any, any other person saying that, super offensive. Jesus goes to a crippled person and says, would you like to not be crippled anymore? Of course. Have you tried walking? <laughs> like if you go to a person that's depressed, I mean, have you just tried being happy? <laughs> that sounds like a pretty easy solution to your depression. Some of the struggles with anxiety. Have you tried just like not worrying? That'd be great. Jesus' solution to this problem is very simple and it ticks me off because change is not that simple for the rest of us. Depression is something I've struggled with over the past few years off and on. And it's not just simply, hey, have you tried being happy? Have you tried focusing on the good parts of your life? Like there's a freaking comp comprehensive strategy to combating mental health challenges. It takes a lot of work. And sometimes when you're in a depressive episode, you're like, I don't want to do any of that. That's the, that, the depression makes me not want to try, right? <laughs> have you tried being happy? I don't have the energy to do that. Change is, is hard, it's complex, it takes a long time, and sometimes you fall back into the same patterns. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Of course, that sounds good, but it's, it's hard, right? I wish it was as simple as, have you tried walking? <laughs> Pick up your mountain walk, God does it. Okay, cool. But change is harder than that. And it can seem impossible. I think for some people, um, change might be easier depending on the situation, the way you grew up, the environment you grew up in. For others that grew up in traumatic environments or really destructive uh, households with addiction and brokenness and whatever it might be, abuse, poverty, like change just seems so impossible because the dysfunction is so hardwired into your DNA, it feels like. Change is harder for other people. And, and for us, that, that's not the case. We need to have a lot of compassion and patience and grace for people who are trying to change but have so many obstacles to overcome. Change looks different for all of us. So this morning we'll kind of tie it back just, just to maybe this framework for, for change. As we look at the new year, I want to say some closing questions here. What's been a point of pain or tension in your life lately? It could be a habit, it could be a relationship, it could be, I don't know. What's been a point of pain or tension in your life lately? And then secondly, what have you done about it? Or another way, like, do you want to get well? Like, I think that's a really honest question to ask yourself. Do I want this to change or am I comfortable with it? Do I want this to change or do I feel so hopeless I don't even want to try bringing about change? Third question is very vulnerable to ask. What are the rewards you're getting from staying in that pain or that unhealth or dysfunction? What are the rewards that you're getting just by staying in it? What is it costing you? And then lastly, what would it look like to get well? Actually, I haven't talked about this. Like, what is, when Jesus says, do you want to get well? What does that look like for different individuals? What does wellness look like? The word for well in, the, in that story uh, really means whole, healthy, like complete. And so what does that look like for each of us? Like it, it's, it's kind of different depending on the context you're in and what you're trying to get out of. So what does getting well even 
look like? What would it look like if you say, I would know that I'm complete or I'm whole or I'm healthy or I'm well in this situation if blank. Like even having a vision for what health looks like uh, can be helpful. Change is, is hard. Christ offers support. The church offers support. And I encourage you guys, as, as you kind of walk through your life and, and realize these points of pain, just to begin to ask yourself these questions. Do I want to get well? Let's pray.